Hello and welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Clifford. I am the president and CEO of the East Carolina Alumni Association, and I produce this podcast at least monthly. It exists to provide free and convenient professional development for alumni practitioners worldwide, and I'm excited about the guest we have on the show today, my colleague and friend, Harold Brown. Harold is the Director of Alumni and Parent Affairs at Phillips Exeter Academy. Harold, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure, Paul. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Harold before we get into the conversation. Harold was appointed Director of Alumni Affairs by his alma mater, Phillips Exeter Academy, in 1991 after a 15-year career in banking. Uh, he currently directs a comprehensive alumni program and coordinates more than 130 events annually. In addition to serving uh, as a presenter at many case conferences, Harold has served case as a volunteer, an author, and a trustee. And he is the recipient of the prestigious Case Crystal Apple for teaching excellence. Uh, most recently, Harold has had um, parent relations added to his department, and so he is now the Director of Alumni and Parent Affairs, Parent Relations at Phillips Exeter Academy. Well, Harold, let's, let's jump right in here and, and tell folks how you began your 15-year, your, uh, how you began your career in alumni relations. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Uh, it's very interesting. When I left Exeter uh, in the mid-70s, uh, I never thought I would be back here, um, largely because of what was going on in the 70s. Um, as an African-American, um, uh, I think all schools were struggling with trying to uh, uh, accommodate a rapidly diverse um, uh, campus. Uh, and uh, as someone said, the town of Exeter, uh, Phillips Exeter Academy, imposed multicultural diversity onto the town of Exeter without asking the town's permission. <laughs> uh, and so it was kind of difficult, and, you know. And you know, when you're 18 years old, you think you know everything, and and you don't have a real good perspective on the world. And so I, I, in spite of the, the wonderful education I got, and it was undeniable, uh, I left pretty bitter. Uh, well, funny thing happened, a classmate, and this is going to be a familiar to all of our professionals, uh, our colleagues in our profession, uh, a classmate called me one day and said that the principal of the school was was trying to, uh, reaching out to alumni to help uh, the school uh, um, realize its mission of youth from every quarter and diversity. And, uh, of course, that resonated with me, and I might get to, I might refer to this later in our conversation, but that, for me, was an irresistible invitation. It was an opportunity to come back to and, and contribute to the curriculum and mission of the school. It was a, I found it incredibly affirming um, and absolutely um, irresistible. I came back, I did a couple of workshops, and one thing led to the next, and you know how we are, we, we find some uh, fresh, energetic blood uh, in alumni ranks. We we recruit them as volunteers. I wound up being on the board. Uh, and uh, a certain moment, my predecessor suddenly had to leave. And uh, I remember that Saturday cold day in January when he called me and said that his boss um, was interested in talking to me about uh, succeeding him. And it has been, you know, almost 21 glorious years. 
And, uh, and so at, at that time, you were in the midst of uh, of your banking um, career, you know, 15 yes. years in the banking industry. Yep. What what surprised you most about your transition from um, from the financial services world to education? Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, the biggest surprise was that I held the academy. By the time I was being asked to join the school um, as an employee, uh, I was really high on the academy and, and my uh, uh, feelings about the school uh, from my student days, student days, and then looking back as an alum and all that. Uh, I, I was thinking that it was the pinnacle of organization and all that good stuff. And even though I had served on, on not-for-profit boards before, I thought that this great institution would have, you know, I would walk in here and enjoy all of the comforts of corporate life uh, within <laughs> this wonderful uh, not-for-profit uh, context. And I was surprised because we are still a school. Right. And uh, and the funny story I like to share is that the day I arrived was a big day in our operation because we were receiving uh, a fax machine, only the second fax machine on campus. <laughs> <laughs> and I had left an environment where fax machines were, were commonplace. They were essential tools. And I couldn't imagine how an advancement operation couldn't have, although that wasn't the language we used back then, but how the operation I was responsible for directing, attracting funds, soliciting funds, and and stewarding uh, 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 donors wouldn't have a fax machine. <laughs> and yet, everybody we had to be really quiet because this was a this is a, a treasured tool, and we were one of the knighted uh, departments on campus that was going to receive it. So that's really a good that symbolizes the the difference between what I saw in corporate America. And, uh, and, and a not-for-profit in schools. One other thing, I remember my, my boss telling me for the first five years in my reviews, uh, he made the comment that Harold needs to be patient, uh, in a, uh, or with an organization within an industry that moves very slowly. <laughs> so, uh, those two things I was accustomed to basically, if you can articulate a need, you could sell it and it could make money. Uh, need to realize the mission. It got funded. Not so. Not the case in in, um, in our world, as you know. I use the analogy sometimes when I'm meeting with folks and we're talking about a project, um, and, and they start talking about when the next meeting's going to be, or you know when we would like this to get started. And they pull out their calendars, and I said, "You guys are looking at your calendar, and I'm looking at my watch." Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, that's a, it's a good lead into my next question, though, and I, I'm sure you know with the cutting edge technology that you had access to in a fax machine um technology will probably be an answer to this question at least one of the answers but in your over almost 21 years now in the business what has changed the most about um helping your institution serve uh and engage alumni uh technology is certainly it uh i can remember and i'll, I'll leave with that there's some other things too i, I don't want to miss but um you know, when I came into this business, the technology was the telephone and the and the and the pen. And um, today, uh, and with that, you could control the uh, velocity of the interaction. So, if if you wrote a letter, you knew that it would take X days for that letter to reach its um, uh, uh, the intended person, and then another few days before it came back. Perhaps you got a phone call when they got it, but basically 
there was time to breathe. Right. Uh, today, with technology, uh, it's being pushed at you as far, faster than you're pushing out. And it's, it's like uh, the analogy I'd like to use is a roaring river. And, you know, if you're going to go in there and, and, and do some whitewater rafting, <laughs> right. you better be ready for the speed, have your equipment, because it's go- and be ready for everything that's going to come at you. And so that's, that's how I look at it. Um, and all, it's all of us uh, at higher ed and, even, and at every level in edu- academia, we've had to make those adjustments. The other thing in our business, I think, that is uh, a more welcome uh, uh, change is that when I came into business, the, our business of alumni relations specifically didn't have any metrics. I remember asking a group of folks at a case conference, my first case, co- case conference actually, over lunch, and these folks were, they had been in the business for, you know, 15, 20 years. They were titans in our business. And I remember sitting there as a newbie, not new to business, but new to this business, and so I asked a question that would be logical from my background. I said, how do you know if you're doing a good job? Right. <laughs> and they looked at me as if I was from Mars. And these are people who had spoken and done, you know, who I had, you know, taken, taken, you know, all these notes, and I was so pleased that I, I'm sitting here at a table with these bright people in the business, and that was the answer. So I, I went on to subsequent meetings, and I would ask the same question. I discovered that there were no metrics for our business. Kind of frustrating. Absolutely. Uh, and. Uh, I am pleased to say that um, through the work of many of our colleagues um, uh, over the years at various institutions, I see a coalesce, coalescing of, of, of a set of metrics that we can use. And, 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 you know, to dovetail from that is that as a result, if you're the entity in, our, in the advancement business that can't be measured, then you're, the, you're always vulnerable. You're always that, you know, either the party people or it's a it's, – it, and it really – you know, you can have a X million dollar campaign, successful campaign, and those of us in alumni relations always knew that we played a role in that. But the reality is that without any metrics, you can't really say, assign those. Okay, you had a, a nice party. A lot of people came. Well, guess what? People will come to all sorts of things. Maybe not as honorable as your event. <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh, not great, not, not a necessarily a good um, uh, uh, manifestation or testimony of uh, certainly not a reflection of of the good work that was done, and so uh, I see that me- we're now looking more toward metrics. And then, uh, you know, along with that, and I kind of alluded to it here, um, we're beginning to see ourselves as um, uh, fundraisers. I remember when I came in this business, uh, if you said, you know, alumni relations people were like the we. I think as a profession, some of us looked at the people who were our colleagues who were soliciting funds and stewarding gifts, that sort of thing, as uh, the, you know, used car salesmen. That's and right. We were the, the dark side, right? And, you know, I'm grateful that that has always been anathema to how I looked at this work because I came here, my boss told me specifically that he was interested in me because of my business background. So I never understood that whole phenomenon. I'm thinking I'm coming here to 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 be part of a, an exciting organization, and I refuse to be uh, uh, allow myself or my colleagues in alumni relations to 
to to be belittled or be to, to be made to feel less than uh, the uh, our colleagues in fun and annual fun and, and major gifts. I think um, I think the things that you're hitting on here, Harold, are. Um, and I don't want to be clear when I say this and, and careful when I say this, but we've always had professionals working in alumni relations. The people have always handled themselves professionally. It's yep. always been, you know, the colleagues that we want to be associated with. But I think what you're talking about here is the evolution of our business into a profession, exactly. you know, measuring our success, utilizing technology, um, having a, a view of what we do in the big picture of uh, philanthropy and advancement at our institutions and, you know, away from the party planning and the, um, you know, the old ways in which we used to talk about our, our profession. Exactly. I remember uh, when I first came, <laughs> we had a, uh, and I, I, I have to say I've been blessed to work in an institution uh, with, has that really never experienced that um uh, as strongly that dynamic that exists in a lot of institutions. There's the fundraisers and the friend raisers, that kind of thing. But I remember teasing my colleague and uh, the head of the annual fund once by saying, you know, every year, and we, we were enjoying 50% participation in our annual fund. Uh, we had a streak of 20, uh, over 20 years. Wow. I remember saying to him one day, you know, I don't understand. Um, every year I offer up 100% of the alumni body. And the best you can do is 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, you're absolutely right, Paul. It's, um, uh, I think it's been a wonderful thing to observe uh, and to participate in the professionalization of our, of our uh, business. I think it's a, uh, a very worthy enterprise that we're involved in. We get to... Uh, do uh, create those irresistible invitations for our alumni. You know, we get to reconnect them with those formative years, uh, the years, and you know, and and the teaching and the learning that went on that, uh, pr- you know, pr- set them on a course. Absolutely. And, uh, and we get the opportunity to invite them to um, provide resources for their next generation to improve this, our, our institutions. So it's just. It's a glorious, glorious work we do. I'm, I, I'm just, you know, sometimes I pinch myself. I remember when I first got into business, uh, some of my old banker friends would say, well, how is that? I mean, so what do you do? I mean, how do you, I said, are you kidding me? I said, this work, and they, and they talk about the travel. And, you know, right. As you know, we do travel a lot in this work. But I said, you know, tr- I've, I've seen the entire world through this work. I've, got, I've, I've met some extraordinary people, people I would have never met. Uh, and I, and most, most importantly, perhaps, and relative to our mission, I've been able to help uh, alumni uh, uh, direct their philanthropy to our school. Absolutely. Uh, and, at, you know, it doesn't get much, any better than that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You're listening to the Impact Alumni Podcast, and we're joined today on the, on the podcast by Harold Brown, the Director of Alumni and Parent Affairs at Phillips Exeter Academy. Well, Harold, you run an independent school alumni program, uh, certainly Phillips Exeter being a, um, a, an independent high school. Uh, it's actually independent. Is it K through 12? No, we're 9 through 12. 9 through 12. Talk about some of the challenges facing independent school alumni programs today. I think it's the similar, similar problems to that all, we all face uh, and, and, and that all nonprofits face. Uh, you know, we all are subject to uh, market forces in 
terms from a from a resource standpoint. Uh, no matter how large the shop, uh, if uh, we're all dependent upon uh, revenues from either our operating budget or through revenues we can generate through memberships. And uh, in this way, independent schools are just you know, are very similar to our um, university, college, university um, counterparts. But um, I would say specifics. If I just to shine a light on independent schools in general, um, I think that independent schools have uh, the added responsibility of trying to compete with um, uh, with our colleges and universities for those same dollars. Um, when in fact, you know, as, as we're all doing a good job. So let me just let's just talk about that life progression. Those of us in independent schools say we have the advantage because we taught them how to read and write. Right. <laughs> uh, and then they go off to uh, their college and university, and that's where they learn to apply those skills to, uh, you know, to sustain them for life. That's where careers are developed. That's where marriages are formed and all that good stuff. Um, and then they now we have this alum who's matured and they're, regardless of where they are from a success, you know, monetary success standpoint, they are alumni who have an interest in supporting their schools. And it's really hard. I mean, we in this way, we compete with colleges and universities because uh, the more sophisticated we become, <laughs> the more we become, first of all, it's a struggle to be as sophisticated as colleges and universities can with their advancement programs, but when it's all said and done, it really comes down to how do we get that donor to make, to differentiate, and by the way, uh, uh, assuming that the donor doesn't have an, exa- uh, an inexhaustible supply of funds. Our time, and so uh, I think all of us have to be uh, more, and I think we have been uh, more cognizant of the competing demands of our uh, donors and volunteers. And I think, in that way, I think it's a little more difficult for uh, for for independent schools because their constituents are minors. Right, right. You know, and uh, and you know their parents, you know, are there for four years at max. I mean, um, minimal. Well, let's say up from as few as one year, and as many as twelve years or thirteen if you go K to twelve. And it's 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 we're in the relationship building business, but the reality is that you know we are hoping to uh, our, our overall task is to get people. Uh, potential donors and volunteers to take a little bit more time out of their busy schedules or a little more money out of their discretionary funds to direct it our way. So it's, you know, I guess what I'm saying when it all, when it all boils down to it is that we're a lot, we're, our shops tend to be smaller, a lot smaller. And, uh, our, um, the understanding of our, uh, collectively of our administrative leadership about advancement isn't as sophisticated as it is at the college or apparent as it is at the college and, and, and um, university level. And so we struggle. We have, you know, if you say how many people are in a shop, independent school, 
independent schools, most of them are, you know, one to two people shops um, and doing a lot of different things. Uh, and it's hard, so it becomes a resource issue. Uh, I know that exists for at the college university level also, uh, but at least there's the possibility, there's the, uh, when, when university uh, professionals look laterally to their uh, uh collegiate competition, they can see that the model is, they've got a clear understanding of what a, what an advan- a model for the, uh, a model for an advancement, organi- uh, advancement um, organization. Right. Independent schools, a lot of times, you know, it's that, you know, coach <laughs> who is the English teacher, <laughs> who, <laughs> you know, and, and doing a great job at it. That's what I want to, you know, here's the case, I, I see it as just a resource issue. They're doing a great job. But sometimes, you know, and this is where case is so important because it educates um, and its mission to educate uh, institutions about um, how they can uh, draw resources to their schools and how they can build organizations to sustain themselves. So, um, but that's that's I think that's the problem when when the, when a lot of these institutions, you know, are dependent upon uh, tuition to drive them, and if the tuitions aren't there, uh, the market hits then. That's just a trickle, an amazing trickle down effect. So um, that leads me that leads me right into my next question. You know, you mentioned Case, and we've both we've both shared the privilege of serving uh, on the Case Summer Institute for Alumni Relations Faculty. Tell our and now you are the chair of that faculty. Tell our listeners who are thinking about participating in this experience what it's all about and uh, what they would get out of participating in the Summer Institute for Alumni Relations. Well, uh, as you know. Uh, this is in all of all the things I've had the privilege of um, participating in uh, through Case. This is the most fulfilling for me. Earlier in this conversation, we talked about you know the uh, sort of baptism by fire, the shock treatment, uh, <laughs> the, the shock effect of coming into the not-for-profit world and working for schools. We also talked about uh, some of the um, challenges we've had over the years around metrics some of the changes, well, at this institute, uh, uh, participants get a chance to to hear, from, just basically go to the mountaintop, and I mean that sincerely, and I'm not speaking about myself, I'm <laughs> speaking about you and other members of that faculty. And and in um, and where we do it in Vermont, literally. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. They're one of the green mounts, right? That's right. Uh, and, and an opportunity to actually have not quite 24/7, but a good 16 hours access to this faculty uh, through formally, through classes, and sessions, but also and equally as important informally. Uh, I, I just think if I had had that going into the business, I don't know. I mean, it would have just been so important to me, uh, and also to be there with other people who are just like yourself starting maybe brand new to the business or maybe one between the, the average person is there now um, either between one and five years. Right, right. Uh, and also people who, like myself, was a transplant <laughs> into this uh, field. But to be able to sit down and ask those questions that maybe you feel um, a little uh, uh, intimidated asking or uh, it within your own school context because there's an expectation that you know, uh, but to be there with a bunch of other people who, like you, are trying to figure it all out 
And I think that uh, over the years, uh, what, what we've been able to do in the Institute is develop a curriculum that gets everybody on the same platform. They can go back to their institutions, and they can actually apply real-time techniques uh, uh, with, a, with, with a justifying uh, 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 overall, overarch, overarching set of principles that will allow people to be successful. Uh, and then, when, if that wasn't enough, <laughs> an ongoing relationship with those people. Uh, in the years that I've been involved with the Institute, I've had the privilege of, uh, of continuing conversations and relationships with, with people who are students who are now running their own shops, uh, and it's just so gratifying to just be part of that. It is the most renewing uh, for, as a member of the faculty, it is it is so rejuvenative, it is so gratifying, uh, and it's just again if if we if we uh, get joy from the work that we do in in, in attracting funds and and and, t- and time uh, to our institutions, then. It's doubly so when we can actually uh, help train and assist a, a, a legions of professionals in this business. I'm, I just—it doesn't get money any better than this. I can wax long and hard on this. I can be <laughs> bad evangelical about this. Uh, uh, absolutely, you know, Gary and I. Gary Olson was a guest on the oh. previous podcast, and you know, we talked about not not only how gratifying it is to see people. Um, connect to and respond to the messages that we're putting out there. But it, it's, I guess I shouldn't be as surprised as I am. The amount that I actually take away, um, and, and learn and, you know, the, the opportunities that I've had, I, I call it my own personal, uh, board of directors, you know, the Paul Clifford board of directors of these yeah. people who, you know, I can call on at any point and get advice, get, um, someone to be brutally honest with me, you know that that continues to grow through the connections and relationships that we foster at the summer institute and and with our colleagues so yeah it it's it's an amazing experience. I recommend it to anyone listening uh regardless of where you are in the profession uh it's it's an amazing experience well harold as we as we wrap up here. We have just flipped the page on a new year. It is now 2012. Uh, anything you're looking forward to this year or any resolutions that you've made uh, from a professional standpoint? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> my short answer is to do the things I said I was going to do last year. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we have, a, as you mentioned and in, in your introduction, um, I've taken on uh, a new set of responsibilities of, of engaging our parents and um, it's pretty exciting uh, it, for us it was the missing link in our whole program uh, and so I feel thrilled to do that and I'm in the early stages of trying to develop to developing a strategy for approaching that our goal is to have our parent program uh, be every bit as good as our alumni program and that's going to take a few years uh, but um, you know it's exciting to be you know extending extending the business and for myself personally, but also to help Exeter um, really meet the needs uh, of of another constituent in, in the family. So that's that's going to be a big focus for me this year, I'm, uh, and also to uh, 
to just continue to help and develop my my team. Uh, we are it's a change for them also, <laughs> and so uh, it's uh, uh, these are the Chinese say may you live in interesting times. When they when they say that, it's usually sort of a negative prediction. But um, these are interesting times. I'm going to flip that and say we're blessed to be in them. Absolutely. Well, Harold, I want to I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It's always good to connect with you and and hear your uh, views on our profession. I'm I'm always inspired and uh, rejuvenated after our conversations. And um, you know, I, even on a more personal note, it has been uh, it has been great to serve alongside of you as uh, on the faculty of the Summer Institute. You know, your leadership and how you've moved that institute forward from where it was pre in previous years is inspiring and. We appreciate you being a guest today. Well, thank you so much, Paul, and right back at you, my friend. Um, I wouldn't have probably met you. Our paths wouldn't have crossed if it weren't for the Institute, and my goodness, it was a blessing the first day I met you, and it continues to be. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that. Send us feedback and connect to the show. Visit our website at alumnipodcast.com for other episodes of the show, and send me email at paul.clifford at alumnipodcast.com. Of course, you can subscribe to the Impact Alumni Podcast on the iTunes Music Store. Just visit alumnipodcast.com to subscribe. You can also follow the show or become a fan on Twitter and LinkedIn. Tweet reactions to the show at at Impact Alumni or connect with other listeners in the Impact Alumni LinkedIn group. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening and take care.